0: Luke chapter 1, I'm preaching on the women of Christmas. And last week we dealt with Anna, and what a great revelation that was, huh? She was a prophetic lady and lived in the temple for 84 years, we believe, and got to see the Lord Jesus as a baby, and then uh, confirmed that with Simeon, the old priest. So it's like incredible. Well, today we're going to talk about Elizabeth. So look, look with me at Luke chapter 1. And verse 39. Now Mary arose in those days and went into the hill country with haste to a city of Judah and entered the house of Zacharias and greeted Elizabeth. And it happened when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary that the babe leaped in her womb. Okay, let's slow it down. They go, she goes, Mary's pregnant with, with the baby Jesus Goes to the hill country, to what would be in modern uh, Israel, Ein Karim, which is a beautiful little place. If you've been to Israel with us, you went there. There's a spring there that supposedly Mary drank from. So anyhow, went to Ein Karim. She made haste. She went, and she greeted Elizabeth. And, And listen what happens here, verse 41. And it happened when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary that the babe, and the babe in her womb was... John the Baptist, that the babe leaped in her womb and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. So Mary walks in with Jesus and here Elizabeth is filled with the Holy Spirit and John the Baptist has a shouting spell in her womb. Then she spoke out with a loud voice. And said, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. But why is this granted to me, that the mother of my Lord should come to me? For indeed, as soon as the voice of your greeting sounded in my ears, the babe leaped in in my womb for joy. These, These passages are saturated with joy. Blessed is she who believed that there will be a fulfillment of these things which were told to her from the Lord. Now, I've got this underlined in my Bible in verse 45, blessed is she who believed. Blessed is she who believed. So I'm I'm going to start out with a few preliminary observations from this text. First of all, it's interesting to me that Mary is the first one that gets to share the good news. Mary is pregnant with the Lord, the Savior. She's received this download from the angel, so she, she makes haste to go tell Elizabeth about it. And Elizabeth is an elderly lady, and she goes and tells her about it. So she becomes the first one, really, to carry the good news. Then if you look in the end of the book of Mark, it's Mary Magdalene who is the first one who gets to carry the good news of the resurrection of Jesus. So on the front end of the gospel and on the back end of the gospel, it's women who share the news first. I thought of some funny stuff right there, but I'm not gonna say it. But it's women who share the news first. They carry the gospel first. Come on. On the front end, announcing his birth, on the back end of it, announcing his resurrection. Second thing this is this is a, an interesting greeting and a story between two women who are pregnant. These are two women who are pregnant, and the babies in their wombs aren't just fetal material. They're real people who leap for joy, who exude joy in the Holy Spirit. Because, you know, I've heard that the, the, uh, the baby has a complete different DNA stamp than the mother does. So it's not just a part of the mother's body, it's a separate human life. And so one of the greatest travesties of our time is the slaughter and murder of the innocent unborn we've seen in America. You say, well, the state, is that's legal in some states. Yeah, but it's not morally right. There's a lot of things that are legal that aren't morally right. Just wanted to start off with that. Just, just to get it started. Hallelujah. Third thing I see here is this whole story is about the birth of our Lord. It's, it's a confirmation that who Mary is carrying is not just an ordinary child, but he is the Lord. Because Elizabeth's amazed. She said, why would the mother of my Lord come to me? And this is a young girl, probably a teenage girl, Mary is. And here's Elizabeth, the seasoned wife of a priest, an elderly couple that are godly and revered, obviously, in the community. But she's amazed that Mary would come because she knew who she was carrying. And the final thing, I think this text really speaks of of the power of spirit-empowered praises and songs. Because Elizabeth's filled with the spirit and just cries out with a loud voice. And then out of that, on the heels of that, in the next verse, in verse 42... 43, uh, sorry, 46, 47, 48, Mary erupts in song. And it's Mary's praise. She said, my soul magnifies the Lord. This is famously known in Latin as the magnificat, meaning to magnify. I, My soul magnifies the Lord. And she has this long outbreak of praise, like Zechariah does when he names John the Baptist, when the baby's born, he, his, his tongue is loose and he gives what we know as the Benedictus, this great praise. But notice in Mary's praise, she comes down to verse 54 and she says, he has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy. I have that underlined in my Bible, in remembrance of his mercy. He has helped Israel as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham and to his seed forever. So I want to preach on something that I've never preached on and never seen this text this this way. And that is, God remembers. Come on, say it with me. God remembers. Look at somebody in that awkward moment. And look at them and say, God remembers. God doesn't forget. God remembers. Mary said, in remembrance of his mercy. God has done this to remember what he promised to Abraham way back in Genesis. God is, is, this is a fulfillment. She had that understanding, that download. This is a fulfillment of what God promised centuries and millennia ago. It's coming to pass now in my life. Wow. God remembers. If you look through the Scripture, this term "God remembers" is used many different times, and and my question is, when did He ever forget? Because we think of God remembers, it's like He forgot. So, oh yeah, I've, oh there's Israel out there. I forgot about those guys. And that's not the way the Hebrew works. The Hebrew term for forget is Zakar. And it means uh, to remember in order to act on something. To remember in order to act on something. Amen. It's like some of you, some of you men. The women come home and you've mowed the yard, and you go, "Yes, dear, I remembered." (laughs) To do that, I never forgot. One minute did I ever forget? You remembered. Isn't it? God never forgets, he always remembers. So, so let's, let's walk through a couple instances in the Bible and let's go back to the book of Genesis and see how God never forgot. First of all, in the life of Noah. God called Noah after the world had grown so wicked that God gave up hope on the world. Genesis chapter 6, he said, my spirit will not always strive with man, I'm not going to do this. I'm going to destroy mankind because the wickedness had reached such a level that he was going to have to. And so God calls Noah. And Noah then was a righteous man who had found, uh, the Bible says he found grace in the sight of the Lord. He was a righteous man. And so God told him, build a boat, build an ark, build an ark for the saving of your household. Now, as I understand the scripture, it had never rained up to this point that the earth was just watered by the dew and so forth. So to tell a man to build a boat in an environment where it had never rained didn't make any sense at all. But he went to build the boat because he was a righteous man and he believed and he obeyed the word of the Lord, right? He believed and he obeyed the word of the Lord. So we pick up the story in Genesis chapter 7 where now the boat is on the seas God closed the door. All of humanity has perished. And now Moses is out there with his family and those animals in that massive ark on the seas. And it's and, and, and this would be the, the crescendo, the height of judgment. Listen to verse 20 of chapter 7 of Genesis. The water Prevailed 15 cubits upward, and the mountains were covered, and all flesh died that moved on the earth. Birds and cattle and beasts and everything creeping on the earth. Every man, all in whose nostrils was the breath of the Spirit of life, all that was on the dry land, died. So he destroyed all living things that were on the face of the ground, both man and cattle and creeping thing and bird of the air, they were destroyed from the earth. Only Noah and those who were with him in the ark remained alive, and the waters prevailed on the earth for 150 days. So it seems like, is there any, is there any hope here? All we see is death and judgment. But then the next verse says, But God remembered Noah. It's like, did he forget he was in the ark? No. The the point of the narrative is God is getting ready to change the situation. And there's going to be a pivot and a shift coming in the situation. Then what happens? The waters subside. The ark lands on the top of a mountain and Moses starts sending out the birds to test for life. Everything changes when God remembers. Everything changes when God remembers. Everything changes when God remembers. The Bible says in chapter 6 of Genesis that when God saw the wickedness of the world, you know, it was all all hope was gone, but Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. So when all hope looks lost, God finds a person. He goes and finds a man, he finds a woman who he has favor with, and then he uses that person to change the situation. And then God remembers, not that he ever forgot, but he gets in motion and starts moving the situation. And, the, and what happens out of that is a new creation. Because out, out, after he comes out of the ark, there's going to be a whole new world he's going to walk into. A whole new existence. A new race. A new race is coming out of that ark. Remember Abraham. Genesis chapter 19. Bible says that one day God came to visit Abraham and showed up at his tent door. And the Bible says there were three of them. Now some might say it's Trinity or or maybe it was God and an angelic host with him or I don't know. But anyhow, Abraham takes them in and cooks them dinner. And then after they leave, or as they are leaving, God looks around and He says, can we hide from Abraham what we're getting ready to do? And what the Lord was getting ready to do was go down to the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah and see what is going on. And and biblically, if God comes down to see, not a good thing. It's judgment. Well, judgment actually is a good thing. But He's coming to judge what's going on. So Abraham is informed then of what's going on. And Abraham remembers his nephew who's down there. So Abraham jumps in the way and says, Hold on, Lord. Wait, wait just a minute. Um, let's work a deal here. Would you go destroy the city if there were 50 righteous people in it? And the Lord says, No, I would save the city for 50 righteous. Well, would you, would you spare it for 45? And then he keeps whittling it down and working the deal all the way to ten people. Would you save the city if there were ten righteous people in the city? And the Lord says, yes, I'll save the city for ten righteous. And then he goes down there. And then the Bible says, Abraham looked toward the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah and saw the smoke ascending from the cities. God had rained fire and brimstone on those cities and completely destroyed them. And then the text says, but God remembered Abraham. But God remembered Abraham and rescued Lot and his family. See, even though Abraham couldn't spare the city, even though he got, got down to ten people, nonetheless, God honored the intercessory prayer of Abraham and saved his nephew he couldn't save his nephew's wife. She was too hard-headed. She wanted what was back there and looked around and turned into a pillar of salt. So, you know, it was a weird and sad situation. But nonetheless, God honored the prayers of the man of God named Abram. He remembered. Come on, say, somebody say, God remembers. He never forgets those prayers. He knows every prayer you've ever prayed. stands before him as a memorial. It's not like, oh, you prayed something. I, f- I forgot that. Let me search the database. God doesn't do that. You're, He's in the eternal present. He lives in the now. He doesn't have to go way back and try to remember something. He's not a man. He is God. Hallelujah. He knows what you've prayed. He knows the night you've spent uh, crying out to Him. He knows the faithful work you've done for Him. He knows the life you've lived. He knows the prayers you've prayed for your kids. He knows the prayers your grandparents prayed for you. They're still ringing in His ears. They stand as a memorial before Him. He knows the work you've given to the kingdom. He knows the things you've done. He knows the destiny on your life. He's not forgotten. He's not forgotten you. If you get nothing else from this today, you can leave here knowing God knows who I am. He knows my number. He knows me intimately and intricately. And He's not forgotten me. Fast forward to Exodus chapter 1. The Bible says now the children of Israel have been in Egyptian bondage. They've been living under the hard hand of a Pharaoh who was using them as slaves. And now the Israelites are in slavery under harsh taskmasters. And then when there comes word that there's a a, a promised son going to be born, that that the Pharaoh goes and, and wants to wipe out all male births among the Hebrews. And the Bible says God remembered His people and Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob and the promises He had made to them. After 410 years, God remembered His covenant and remembered His people. What does that mean? God stepped into action. And said, now's the time for this thing to happen. And he goes and he calls a man named Moses who was just perfect for the job. Raised in the house of Pharaoh. Zealous for a Hebrew people. Living on the backside of the desert to where all of that probably smoothness of living in Pharaoh's household had worn off. Now he was a rough shepherd. God said, he's just where I need him. And he goes down and he gets him and he calls him to go lead his people out. Why? Because God had remembered. How many thankful God remembers? You're like, what in the world does this have to do with Christmas? What's this have to do with Elizabeth? Well, check this out because this is super cool. Zakar is the Hebrew word for remember. And it's the root of Zechariah. The name Zechariah means God has remembered. So we go from the last chapter of the book of Malachi to the Gospels, and there's a 400-year period between those. We call it the silent years because there was no Scripture, no canonical Scripture written in those 400 years. Now, there was Second Temple Jewish literature being written and there was inspirational Jewish literature but no scripture was being written that's why it's known as the silent years so the people of Israel had been waiting since Babylonian captivity and the reoccupation of the land, or Assyrian captivity, reoccupation of the land, and then all of the forces of, the, um, of Antiochus Epiphanes and the war and the, all of that had gone on in that intertestamental period. All the people were now at a fever pitch waiting for the coming of a Messiah. The prophets had prophesied about it. There's going to come one who's going to rescue us. There's coming one. He is the suffering servant of Isaiah 53. He's this Lord's servant, the child of God, as mentioned in Acts chapter 4, of the suffering songs of Isaiah. There's one we're looking for. He is the Messiah. 400 years of silence waiting. And we go to Luke chapter 1. And Luke, being a physician, being an educated man and a detailed guy, he says, Theophilus, I'm going to give you an orderly account of the life of Jesus. I'm going to to give you an orderly account. This is the way, this is the chronological way it went down. The first story he tells is of an older man who's a priest named Zechariah. He has a wife and she was barren. They have no kids zechariah was a priest and in those days there were about 14000 priests in the in the in the jewish nation and those priests would be chosen by lot to go in and work in the temple inner court and so to my understanding they only chose like 10 uh, or 14 a month out of 14000 so in a year there would be like 140 Out of 14,000. So no one could choose. It was such a a privileged thing that no man chose it. They cast lots for it and trusted God to choose that person. So out of his entire life, this is probably the only time he's ever going to get to go into the temple, into the inner court, and light the candelabras. And it's his turn. So Zechariah goes in to light the candelabras and encounters an angel of the Lord. And the angel of the Lord says, You're going to have a son. Yeah. You're going to have a son. And what does he say? "Uh, Lord, how's that going to happen? How's that going to happen? And I got it underlined in my Bible. The angel says, Well, because you've doubted, you're not going to be able to speak. And when this son's born, you're going to name him John or Yohanan. Because he doubted, he went silent. Don't you think that God said, I'm going to shut your mouth so you can't cancel this deal out? Some of us have been given great and precious promises and we go run our mouths so much, I think we walk ourselves out of, we walk ourselves out of the belief in it. That's a, that's a revelation I just dropped if somebody gets it. What you said no, that's not right, Hans. I don't know. You, 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 you think about it and you study it yourself. If God promises me something, I don't want to work myself out of it with my own unbelief and my own unbelieving words. I want to believe it and I want to call it into my life. Amen. You know, somebody gave me a prophecy, that God's going to bless me. I just don't believe that. Look at what's happening and then you know it's like, well, do you believe it or not? Your words your words defy what your heart is supposedly to, to supposed to believe in. So just get the word straight and get the heart right. So he walks out of the temple that day and he can't speak, and they know he's encountered God. The people realize he's had an encounter with the Lord. And so finally the birth of the baby comes around and he can't speak. And they come to him, and they're like, what are you going to name him? Good old family name? He's like, they bring him pen and paper, or quill and paper, or whatever. And he writes down, Yohanan, his name's going to be John. They're like, well, why is his name going to be John? Well, boom, his mouth opens. And he starts giving a praise unto God, anointed of the Holy Ghost. So, so Zechariah means God has remembered. Elizabeth means oath of God, or God has remembered His covenant with His people. And then, Johanan or John means grace of God, or God is gracious. So, God has remembered His covenant. He's getting ready to bring everything to fruition with the New Testament. He's getting ready to fulfill all those Old Testament promises. He's ushering in the birth of the Messiah. And the one who's going to lead the way is called John, the grace of God. So what do Elizabeth and Zechariah represent? They represent the fact that God never forgets, He always remembers, and He always fulfills covenant that He cuts with people. God always remembers, He never forgets, and He fulfills covenant that He cuts with people. So when God said... They're going to, in the garden, in Genesis chapter 3, verse 15, he told the serpent, he said, The woman's seed shall bruise your head. And it seems like naturally in the narrative it should have happened in the next chapter. Well, it didn't. It didn't happen until the Gospels. But that promise was never forgotten. And God came and brought himself into human form to die, to crush the head of the serpent because he remembered his promises. Isaiah chapter uh, 53, centuries before, he had prophesied there's coming one. This is the arm of the Lord. It's it's the suffering servant. He's going to come and he's going to suffer and he's going to die and he's going to give his life a ransom for many and he's going to be bruised and by his stripes we will be healed. Hallelujah. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. He took our griefs and sorrows. God didn't forget those words. But He said, I'm going to bring them all to pass in this child that's going to be born by this virgin girl, Mary. I'm bringing everything to pass. So when Jesus stood in the upper room that night, stood in the upper room that night having the final Passover meal with His disciples, and He lifted up the bread and He broke it and He said, this is My body which is given for you. Then He took the wine and He said, this is My blood of the new covenant. Why? Because now God has remembered, and God has brought to pass all of His plan, bringing it into focus, into fruition. So, so God remembered Abraham. God remembered Noah. God remembered others in the Bible. God remembered Israel. But how many can lift your hand and say, "Thank God, He remembered me too"? When Jesus came, it was the biggest statement ever that God remembered Hans Hess. That God remembered you. He didn't forget about you, but he's, if you were the only person living, Jesus would have still come to die for your sins. Hallelujah. Why? Because God remembered you. Even though you and I weren't present, we weren't even thought about 2,000 years ago, but I believe God somehow, who stands outside of time, knew prophetically that you and I would be living in 2023 and that we would be needing a Savior and that we would be needing salvation. We would be needing the blessings of the new covenant. And God remembered us before we ever were. And He came down and He said, I'm just not going to let them be born and die in sin, but I'm coming to give my life a ransom. I'm coming to do war against the enemy. I'm coming to bless them, to lift the curse off their life, put the blessing on their life of salvation and healing and blessing. Come on, if you believe that, give Him a shout in here. Now, guess what? You and I are living in the now moment, the kairos moment of God's remembrance of His people. So we don't have to wait on that fulfillment anymore. We're living in the now. Somebody say now. Faith is now. I'm living in the now of God's blessing. Okay. One more thing. When God remembered in those instances, there was judgment coming, and then there was a new, there was a death, there was a judgment, and then there was a new birth that would happen, or a newness that would come out of it. And look what happened with you and I. God remembered His covenant, and He came to rescue you and I. And out of that comes a new birth, where we're able to be born again in the Spirit. And it's symbolized or effected by the coming of the Holy Spirit. Because just as the Spirit came upon the waters of the deep in Genesis 1-2 to create the earth, the Spirit came upon Mary to create the body of Jesus. And then when John is baptizing people in the water, Jesus steps out on the banks of the Jordan and sees him again, and these two meet again. This time not in the womb, but they meet face to face. And here's John the Baptist in the water baptizing people under repentance and preaching judgment. But then he sees Jesus and everything stops. It's like time stands still for a moment. And he says, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And Jesus steps forward and steps into those baptismal waters And John looks at him and he says, I need to be baptized by you. And Jesus said, no, suffer it to be so so the scriptures can be fulfilled. And then he's baptized by John. And I don't know, the Bible says straightway he comes out. I don't know if they laid him back. I kind of like to think it was this action. He straightway comes out of the water. And Luke says, then the Holy Spirit in the form of a dove comes down and lights upon Jesus. Now this power, this anointing is upon him, and there's a newness coming and a new life that's going to be emerged or is going to emerge or, or come out of all of the old, all of the sin, all of the death, all of the judgment. There's coming a new age of grace. Somebody shout hallelujah. So let me show you something before we pray. I'm look at you. Look at your neighbor again. and Say, God didn't, God didn't forget you. God didn't forget you. So, what's this mean for you and I? I mean, obviously, it's the grand plan of salvation, and we're living in the the fulfillment of the promise. But also, what's it mean when God speaks stuff to you and I? Because how many of you have ever had a word? Have you ever had God give you a word? A scripture comes to your heart. This lights up. Somebody gives you a prophetic word. You hear something in prayer. You have a dream and you know it's a God dream. How many of you have had words? If you've never had a word, I'm telling you, start listening because God is speaking. Start listening because God is speaking. So what happens when we receive the word? Well, number one, we better believe it. Because notice what happens. There's a clear contrast between Zachariah and Mary. In, in Luke chapter 1, verse 20, the angel says, You will be mute, Zechariah, and not able to speak until the day these things take place, because you did not believe my words. Turn over a page, and Elizabeth's praise to the Lord, and her words to Mary in chapter 1, verse 45 is, Blessed is she who believed. And it's a contrast in the text. Here's an old saintly man who's a godly, revered man, a priest, and he can't believe. God has to strike him mute. And then here's a young teenage girl probably who believes. So when we receive a word from the Lord, I want to believe it. I want to write it down. And then I want to trust the Lord for the fulfillment of it. And I want to remind myself that God has never forgotten this thing. That God has never forgotten this thing. That He's going to do it and He's going to do it well. He's going to do it and He's going to do it well. Hallelujah. So be encouraged, you're not forgotten. Be encouraged, He's going to fulfill those words. You believe and you walk in obedience, He's going to fulfill those words. Are some personal words uh, are they uh, conditional? Absolutely. You might not walk into it if you don't believe and you don't obey, but if you obey and you believe, you can walk into everything God has said for you. Hallelujah. 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 I was a young man traveling with my pastor and I walked into a church and a man, we were in the back row of the church and a man steps up and he says, you young man, the Lord's going to use you. You're going to lift up my word in my house. That came to pass. I was in a Bible study with, with, with elderly women in, in the Bristol, Virginia area years ago with my aunts. And uh, we were in prayer. And I'm, I don't know if I was 20 years old or somewhere around there. And one of these ladies spoke up. She said, Brother, God is, God is going to use you powerfully in the state of North Carolina. Fast forward a few years. I believe I'm walking in that. I could go on and on. I believe I'm walking in that. I want to be like Mary and believe and know God has not forgotten these things. He's not forgotten these things. The only thing I don't understand all the time is why He doesn't bring them to pass immediately. (laughs) We want the blueprint. God, give me page one. What's going to happen on December 10, 2023? I want to turn to that page. But that's not the way it works. We see through a glass darkly and even in the prophetic, we know in part, we prophesy in part. If, if, I don't think it's intended for us to have the whole blueprint with every detail. We only know in part so we walk by faith. So what happens between the time that you receive a word from God and its fulfillment? You know what happens in that time? You walk in faith. You know what happens in that time? You start declaring God's Word. You start believing the best for that to happen. You know what happens in that time? You start listening to faith. You start praying in faith. You start praying in the Spirit. You start loading up on the Scripture. You walk in faith and just believe for the manifestation of that prophetic Word or that promise to come in your life. Some of you have been praying for your kids. How many of you have been praying for your kids to be saved? Look at this. Most of the people in this room, you know what we're going to do? We're going to continue to pray. We're, going to, we're not going to stop praying. We will not relent till we go to glory. We will not stop praying. Why? Because God wants all of our family saved, grandkids, cousins, third removed, all of them saved. Hallelujah. It's God's will that all men come to repentance. We're going to pray in the will of God for their lives. Hallelujah. Somebody said, what, what, what do you do if you go to a hospital and somebody's really bad off sick? I'm going to pray you be healed. Why? Because that's the revelation I read in the Bible. I'm praying God raises you, resurrects you, gets you up, makes you walk out of there, amazes the doctors. Why? I'm going to pray that till I'm taken home to glory. Why? Because I believe it with all of my heart. Hallelujah. When I go, when I go pray for you guys at the altar, you know what I'm praying for? Baptizing the Holy Ghost, speaking in tongues. Why? Because I believe everybody has that opportunity. Everybody has that right. Everybody can walk into that. It's a benefit of the believer. I'm going to breach it. I'm going to believe it. I'm going to pray it. I'm going to declare it. We're not backing up. There are no 50% prayers. There's no 30% believing. There's no 75% taking a word. It's 100%, 100%, 100%. I believe everything He said, and going to pray it, and going to declare it. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Come on, can somebody give the Lord a shout? Hallelujah. Come on, just shout it out. He remembered me. I want everybody to stand with me. I remember, I've told this so many times, you're going to keep hearing it as long as you see me. I was saved when I was 16 years old. Not raised in church. God came and knocked on my heart's door in a hospital room. And He spoke to me. You know why? Because He remembered. I believe with all my heart, he remembered the prayers of my grandparents because they were praying for me. And my grandpa told us later, he said, this is the way we prayed for y'all. God, whatever you have to do, get them in. Whatever it takes, Lord, get them in. I'm, one of, I'm the result of that, whatever it takes prayer. God remembered. He didn't forget. He didn't forget. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I'm going to see them again one day. I'm going to tell them thank you. How many people are depending on our prayers right now? Well, we're praying. You're praying. Some of us should have been dead and gone already. I know of several times I about died. I probably should have been gone, Brian, but somebody was praying. I was praying. I came out of a river in Montana. I came out of a vortex of white water, and I went, <sighs> and I saw these pine trees, and I'm rolling down these rapids, and I thought, is this where I'm going to die? First thing I thought, is this where I'm dying? But I didn't die. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Made it out. Learned never to do that again, no matter what everybody says. How many's had some of those experiences? You made it out and you said, learn lesson one. Learn that one, not going back. Come on, we made it out. God remembered us. Hallelujah. He remembered us in the name of Jesus. Come on, Father, we bless you this morning. We thank you for your word. We thank you, Lord, that you remember. You don't forget the things you've spoken, the things you've declared. We're living in the now fulfillment of the New Testament covenant. And we're, I feel of all people, most blessed. We live in the, in the new covenant of grace and mercy and the power of the Spirit. Lord, I give you praise. Lord, I just pray that you encourage people in here today. Maybe they feel like they've been in that spot that, uh, has God forgotten? Are, are these things ever going to happen? Is this ever going to come to pass? Is this prayer ever going to be answered? Lord, I pray you just inject encouragement right now into their spirit. Just inject encouragement right now to them, knowing that your word never returns void. It always accomplishes what it's determined to accomplish. It never comes back void, and Lord, we thank you for that. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. Come on, while every head is bowed, every eyes closed, is there one person who can raise your hand and say, Pastor, I'm not serving the Lord, but I wanna surrender my life today to Jesus. I want to give him my heart. I want to give him everything. I want to believe. I want to act on that belief right now. If that's you, just raise your hand, and we're going to pray for you right where you're standing. We're here to pray for you today. Hallelujah. Maybe some of you are here, and you're just not sure. If you were to die tonight, God forbid, but if you were to die tonight, you don't know for sure or not whether you go to heaven. You're, you can know for sure. You can, you can know that you have salvation. that's you I want to pray for you tonight just raise your hand or this morning I want to pray for you in Jesus name in Jesus name the Bible says in Romans chapter 10 verses 9 and 10 if you believe in your heart that God raised Jesus from the dead and you confess with your mouth you will be saved how many of you here could lift your hand and say I believe that Jesus died for my sins and rose from the dead Now we're going to confess it with our mouth. Come on, everybody praying with me. And for those who raise their hands, Father in heaven, forgive me of all my sin. Cleanse me in your precious blood. I receive Jesus Christ as my Savior. Thank you that all my sins are washed away. Thank you that I have new life. Thank you that I have the new covenant. And thank you for the blessings. Jesus be Lord of my life. Sit on the throne seat of my heart, and I give you praise that I'm forgiven, that I'm born again, and that I'm saved. In Jesus' name, can everybody shout hallelujah? Hallelujah. Hey guys, thanks so much for watching and listening to the podcast, and I hope these sermons have been a great blessing and source of encouragement to your life. No matter what you're going through, no matter what you're facing today, Jesus is the answer. I can tell you, He is the answer for your life. I'd love to pray with you before we leave here. So if you never accepted Christ into your life, or if you just have a need in your life, let's lift it up to the Lord right now. Come on, pray with me. Lord Jesus, wash me from all sin. I accept you into my life. I repent of all sin, and I place you on the throne seat of my heart. Lord, I pray right now you minister to each and every one who just prayed that short prayer with me. Whatever situation they're facing, give them grace right now. Give them the power they need to get through it, Lord. Give miracle signs and wonders today, Lord, to those listening in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. We declare it done in Jesus' name. Love you guys. Thank you for tuning in and listening and watching us.